1: After an amount of time that you can't really measure, he's next to you on the bridge. You can hear the rumble of a motorcycle as he approaches, or maybe it's the clapping of hooves. And then there he is. Stone. I told you not to look. And you looked.
2: I need answers. I don't think I need to tell you knowledge is power.
1: You're looking at the answers, my friend. Take a good, long look at them. That's the void. That's the answer to every question. Sooner or later, all math comes down to zero. And there it is. The Great Big Zero. You're welcome, by the way. Mostly people just get sucked into it and then, you know, universal detritus or cosmic reward? I don't have an answer for that. I just know it means the solid plane is long gone for you.
2: Okay, but then you do have an answer too. why? Why did you catch me?
1: I like the look of you, kid. I took a look at you in there in your place. I saw, you know, not an open eye, but a little place where it might be. I like people like that. I don't get a whole lot of chance to do good in the uh, classic sense. I get a lot of assignments to go find people who don't respect the void, who flaunt it. And, you know, I'll send you back if you'll help me. Get your friend. He's one such. And if you do, you know, you're going to get to break the rules of the void a little yourself. You're an artist. You have the third eye. It means you get to paint a little in reality. And you're going to do it on the road of death. He gestures expansively. The shivering road. There are seven of them. This is just one. And it's your calling now, if you want it. Or, if you decide, I can just toss you back in. You can call it the end. Everybody gets one, and this could be yours.
2: So, that's X in this equation. Gavin can see this, and his number's up. And he's running.
1: Well, you see, he's a tricksy artist himself. And he also walks this road. But he don't respect the void no more. He's a man who fell off one too many a rooftop, you know what I mean? Now he extends himself a bit unnaturally, never returns to sacrifice important things. You know, it's not immortality. It's just a reprieve. He don't respect that no more. So, I'm one of them that goes and rounds them up. Now, you could help. I'm not going to force you. I did you this solid one way or the other. But if you do, there's reward in it for you.
2: I don't know about a reward, but I think it would help inform my decision if you could illuminate me on what exactly did he do to me? Look, you want to live?
3: We
1: can walk and talk. You just got to pick a direction.
3: I'm outside of the photo booth. Yeah. And I'm just like, he called us an artist and said we could paint. Just do what he wants. I love it.
4: <laughs> I love it. I would prefer not to be dead. And I would certainly like uh, some kind of mm, ramification against Gavin for whatever it was he did to us. Drinking, throwing, flying. I'm not quite sure what that was.
0: Death Road Adventure, let's do it.
4: <laughs> yeah, okay. Give me a second.
2: Um. I think I nod at Stone. It would seem that I saw out the window and I got my answer, but now there's a lot more questions. There's a lot more to put together, and I won't know that unless we walk and talk.
1: Hop on the back. He gestures his head at the motorcycle. Don't worry. At this point, you're safe from accidents.
0: Yes, 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 yes,
1: yes, yes, Fuck, yes, fuck, yes, let's go. This is a piece of marvel when it comes to engineering.
4: I hop on the back.
1: And you ride. He smells like cigars and whiskey and dirt. Something a little dusty. And as you ride, you see this place is so enormous that the flickering little lights of souls from a trillion universes are falling in little by little. And as they get close, they spaghetti noodle the way light is supposed to behave as it approaches a black hole. You're rumbling along this rope bridge that is sometimes a stone bridge and is sometimes a hallway in an office building and sometimes a lot of things, but still never entirely stops feeling like the shivering road. After a little bit, your mind sort of learns to let the question stand, and the four of you, somehow packed impossibly on his back behind uh, him on this motorcycle, are able to talk over the din of it easily. He says, the road of death, it leads everywhere, and you're going to get to walk it. It does mean more years, and no one ever turns this gift down. No one ever turns down the gift of more years.
2: I think I'm just looking around at all of this, the shifting. I could spend eternity just experiencing this and wondering how the cosmos are put together to allow this.
1: You've been given a glimpse. Let me take you back. It's easier to talk up there, fewer distractions. Yeah, that's fair. You go on a very long ride. And it goes many places. But it ends at your grave. And there, you see her. She hasn't noticed you yet, but she's the only one here. Catherine, by herself, over your grave. He's stopped at the edge of the graveyard, and he says, Rules say you gotta come back here, closest to your remains. I mean, there's nothing in there now anymore, because here you are, you're here. The idea has superseded the flesh. Congratulations. Does she know you? Do you care about that anymore? Yeah. You won't, in time. Well, I do now. Hm. I do still. I remember that horrible fucking feeling. Well, if you want to do something about it, here's your chance. You could talk to her for a minute before we go find our friend.
2: I think in, in the space between, in the photo booth, I like look over my shoulder at the rest. I'm seeing my answers. Don't make me do this alone.
1: Uh, I'll take control. The Empress, your picture shows um, the picture of a quintet for the first time
0: just imagine it's a picture of the quartet and then just the little recorder's like face (laughs) pops in the corner like i'm here too
3: (laughs) the quartet is trying to keep the recorder out (laughs) of the photo
1: there's one black sheep instrument in the world it is the recorder (laughs) i love that choice (laughs) i want to walk over
3: to Catherine.
1: she is crying not heavily but enough from the look of the dirt you think to yourself three maybe four days um it's gray overcast As you approach, do you make enough noise that she turns to see you? Yeah, I say, uh, hey, cat. She turns, and her face goes through every expression. And then finally she just settles on hugging you, and the way she was crying now is at a peak. She can't believe you're here.
3: I'm really sorry. You know how I said I was on a weird assignment? I didn't get a chance to text, but, uh, it's gotten a lot
1: weirder. Assignment. Assignment? We put you in a box and buried you. I I put your old high school yearbook photo in that
3: box. I saw you. Yeah, I don't really remember that. Um I believe it though. I and I think I like look back to Stone, like with kind of a look of like, what am I allowed to say? Like is he gonna give me like a don't stop talking or anything?
1: Stone is idly chit-chatting with his motorcycle it appears just sort of waiting for time to pass petting it maybe <laughs> um like weirdly holding a baby carrot out to it for a second you get <laughs> flashes of that realizing that there will not be a lot of help here and that he doesn't care about connections like these that was made clear to you i would like to make a passive test of connection if you fail this or if this is a disaster she will not trust you this is too bizarre and too big and it will fracture this relationship but it might be important to tell you that she has an attachment boon for you she is helpful that's associated with the page of cups which i have selected for her as her significator based on the way you read her in the story as being a caregiver and a very cupsy emotionally sensitive human being um, and somebody that's just there for you perhaps in a way that um, laughs loves to love to laugh with you but isn't necessarily attached to too many other people as closely as to you When a character is helpful, you can have them lower the number of a just-revealed future test on any cups test. So just so you know, in case you want to lower a number on a cups test, she provides that benefit. Let's make this passive test of connection. That would be relevant here, potentially. So we're talking connection, which is successful on ace to five. What's your cups suit stat? Uh, Plus one. Great. So now we're talking ace to six, and you've still got your last point. Oh, you went into control, didn't you? So we lose that last one of crown of stars, don't we? accurate ace to six say when when the three of swords which is pain which is the true phenomenon of pain it is a part of learning you can feel her pain and you can feel yourself ease it the way you used to by being there for her she kind of taught you to do this she kind of taught you what was required by doing it for you and you give it back and eventually she calms down and she just says, I can't believe it. I don't care what it is. If it's a miracle or if it's science fiction, I just don't care. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy you're back, Vi. And she leans in and hugs you and stops crying. She's laughing now.
3: I'm i am so happy to see you too. Um, Was Gavin here when you buried me? He was. Yeah, he was at your funeral. Did you talk to him at all?
1: Yeah. Um, He said that he was planning on getting back in touch or something. Um, I don't know. You know him. It sounded like there was some kind of... Something's weird, you know? Gosh, not weirder than this. <laughs> My definition of weird has changed.
3: Well, uh, Gavin killed me.
1: You're you're here. You're not dead. No, but I was. You hear a clearing of a voice behind you. This is useless. You're just going to bring her pain. If her third eye isn't ready to open, what are you telling her for? You may as well tell a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> right, Catherine looks over your shoulder. Do you know this guy? Yeah.
3: Um, and I think I like I am kind of momentarily weighing like what he's saying versus what I'm going to tell her. But ultimately, I'm just like I I don't know if you're gonna understand this or not, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Um, he's the Reaper, a Reaper, the Reaper. And again, I kind of look at Stone for clarification, but I don't I don't think it's actually coming. And he saved me from death. I did die. Um, and now I'm not dead anymore.
1: She's squinting at you.
3: Are you feeling okay? Are you... I don't know what happened... Look, I've got to... I will, I will find you again, okay? I will call you soon. I have to take care of something. Will you promise me something? Promise me something on your life.
1: Uh, anything, Vi. Anything. Don't go near Gavin again. Okay, I won't. Um, You want to explain this to me? I'm getting worried about you.
3: Gavin just... He is up to something, and it's worse than he's ever done before. He's just not safe. I just don't want you to get tangled up with
1: him. She says, okay. Oh, can we meet in a few days and talk about this again? Anytime. I'm in town for the next week. I can be here. I can meet you anywhere. I can meet you tomorrow. I can meet you tonight. Any Anytime. Yes. She looks back nervously at your friend. He makes me feel nervous. I can't put my
3: finger on it. Uh, do you know him? I lean in and I go, yeah, he makes me nervous too. I think that's what he's going for. I, I know him. He's all right. Hopefully Uh, Hopefully you won't have to see him again for a long time. Uh, Look, tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow night. Let's go to the coffee shop, all right?
1: My treat. Okay, okay. Oh, Vi. God, I feel so relieved. I just can't believe it. It's a miracle. Yeah, yeah, miraculous. Come on, we got work to do. Uh, All
3: right, yeah, I'll give her another hug and then follow Stone.
1: As you do, you feel something horrible. A desire to hug her very tightly. That there is something you can drink here to add to your time and take from hers. Let's make a passive test of composure. You're trained in composure, and it's a cup skill. But this intense hunger is strong, and I'm going to apply a minus one risk that modifies this in the other way, so that cancels out your training and composure. What's your cups? Uh, plus one, ace to six. Ready? Say when. When an ace, inspiration, <gasps> energy. Nice.
4: Can I use one of my moves on that result? the magician's tool. When an ace is revealed in a test, add it to your hand. If you do, a new future card is drawn to resolve the test in place. And then I hold that ace back to use it in the future. I love it. Let's hold that ace. I will
3: kill you. (laughs) (laughs) If this turns into a failure, I will come across that
1: table at you. That's fair. (laughs) Let's go again. Jake, you ready? Say when.
3: Um, Yeah, okay.
1: When? (laughs) A seven of pentacles.
3: You son of a bitch! What, what, what can, was it supposed to be? An ace to six, I guess. Right. Can,
0: can, can moves be stacked? So, since this is a failure, could I use a power on this failure? Now
1: that the test has a future card, you can use all your powers and stuff again. Yes. So, if you have something that adjusts this by one or does something, feel free.
0: I have ease of youth when a revealed future card would be read as a failure. Take control immediately and draw a new future card to resolve the test in its place. (laughs) Substituting your suit stat for theirs. (laughs) Gain an additional plus one if you taunt or console the failed aspect.
1: How much psyche does that cost? Three. Do you choose to taunt or console the empress as you suddenly make yourself the subject of 30 or 40 photos of the photo booth all at once?
0: (laughs) Yes, I I absolutely do. I just kind of taunt. No, I'm just kidding. I do both. <laughs> <laughs> yes, can I have plus two for it's- doing both? <laughs> uh, I just I was gonna say put my arm, but I don't have those. Uh, I think hops the kite string, reaches out kind of like a pseudo arm to like pat her on the shoulder, and I slide up into the photo booth next next to her and say, "It's okay. Gotta gotta stay strong and get through this. We'll we'll hear her laugh again." And then, uh, yeah, uh, uh, my cup's stat is zero. Great.
1: So ace to, uh, with composure, ace to six. Say when. When? A six of pentacles. (gasps) Generosity. (laughs) The spirit of letting go. You kind of know you need to. But for a moment, you feel fangs in your mouth. You know that there is something you could have drank there. And you pull away a bit hastily, knowing that if you hold her too much longer, you might not be able to control it. She holds you with her two arms on your shoulders. I can't wait to see you. All right, just text me. He says, I think it's maybe time to uh, skedaddle. You agree?
0: Yeah, let's go find him.
1: He leads you back to his motorcycle, but he says, you know, this thing follows me. And you could provide the next ride. Why don't you check your phone? This is how it works for youngsters nowadays.
0: Pull out my phone.
1: You pat around in your pockets, sort of half-astonished to find your wallet, keys, and cell phone. Like, somehow these things passed with you as close to the void as you could possibly get, and still you did not forget them somehow in some existential deep way. And there it is. The Pale Steed app. (laughs) A ride of your own. In my day, it was whatever you rode around on. So, you know, for ages and ages and ages, it was fools on horses. Mine. Here, he says. Henrietta. Beloved bike. Still at my side. Yours apparently was that. I'm sorry you didn't own a car. Uh... You want to go back to where your friend is? All you got to do is text him. Ask him where he is. He's going to think you cheated me. Set him up. Point me at him. I'll take care of the rest. And in exchange, you got me. A guide. A mentor. Somebody to tell you what's going on around here and show you the ropes of the Blue Lands. That's all the space close to death. You'll operate it in a lot, I suspect. Just text him.
0: I jump back inside. Are we just going to text him?
4: Yeah. Tell him we escaped and that maybe we want to team up to deal with death oh i like that
0: yeah okay or maybe uh maybe say something like uh i don't know what's going on here and i need someone to show me the ropes what what do we think would get him to be more uh wanting to join our side if he thinks we don't know anything or we think we have the somehow the same mission as he does
3: ask stone
0: oh good idea i pop back in what do you think his goal is what should i say should i say you brought me back and i ran away and I need some help? Or should I say that I'm specifically trying to evade you as he is? What would get his attention?
1: He knows that you had the potential to open a third eye, just like I did. He might suspect you got lucky, like he did. The truth is, he's going to believe what he wants to believe. Do you know him well enough to say that to him?
0: I thought I did.
1: You know, I suspect... You were always sort of a a break-in-a-case-of-emergency-sort-of-behind-glass-sort-of-person in this Gavin's life. You know, some of the artists of death, they, like, invest in people. So that when they choose to drink you, all that delicious friendship, all that connection, it adds up to more time. Years. That's why you, that's why he and you, he had no one else. He's at the end of his rope. That's also why I could find you. But he's hard to find if he don't move. As long as he's sitting still, I can't find him. It's hard to find a dead thing when they sit still. You should remember that for yourself. But for now, all you gotta do is tell him to meet you somewhere and get him to do it. Can you do that?
0: Yeah, I think so. I'll get out my phone.
1: Oh,
3: I've got an idea. What? Well, tell him that he was never as good at making friends as we are. So if he works with us, we can get him those connections. He can steal more years from more people if we work together.
4: Oh, yes, but it out with something like... Hey, dummy, guess what we also figured out? Something that recalls back to when we were children and we used to find places to lead the other one into.
0: Ooh, okay.
4: Yeah, or if I could make another pitch, and I don't think you're all going to go
3: for this one, but what if we just say, hey, dipshit, meet me on the playground. Fuck you, because he super murdered us and I don't care for it. And he put me
2: at risk of eating Catherine and feeding off of her essence, apparently, and I don't care for that. I, I, I don't I don't know about that one I think the math is that he runs from a fight
0: okay I'll delete that part and i'm I'm just <laughs> I'm like typing out things and I'm reading it back and I'm like no 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 this isn't right and deleting like as everyone is pitching idea I'm putting out a new text and then no 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 and delete uh and I eventually just type out hey man you got really lucky with me there but I've always been the one able to talk people into things a lot easier maybe we can team up now meet me at the burger joint
1: I love it I think, let's make it a test of leadership. You're trying to get him to do it, literally trying to lead him, and you use the most honest part of your connection. You're not hiding anything. This is only manipulative because you know that there is more to say, but everything you just said was true. Does that feel fair? Yeah. Active test of leadership. What's your wants? Plus one. So you're successful on five to 10. You ready? Anyone else want to adjust this active test?
2: If I were to share control, uh, I have mellifluous voice gain plus one on leadership until I lose control or there's a change of pace or location.
1: Oh, that would make this better. Uh, It's up to the fool if you're allowed to share control.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Great. It costs one of your psyche, and you're now in co-control, both of you getting photographed together uh, in the photo booth. An active test of leadership. You're successful on six to ten, now five to ten, I'm sorry, now four to ten, because you're plus one wand suit stat, and because of the use of this hierophant power. Four to ten. Say when. When. The Four of Swords. Boy, you turned that into a success, but only narrowly. The Four of Swords is time. Time to rest. And you realize that you're going to have a lot of that. Even as you hit send and hear the boop, you know it's going to work. He just trusts you. He needs you. That need is his weakness. And when you see little bubbles pop up and he shoots you an address, the idea occurs to you. Do you want to handle this by handing it over to Stone? Or do you want to handle it a different way?
2: I feel like... We go but with stone. Like we go to initiate the the contact and then do the big FU reveal.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily wanna fight Gavin, but I do have some curiosity about what Stone is going to do.
2: I kinda wanna fight Gavin, but I mean <laughs> I get the point.
3: I think a good hoodwink is a thing of beauty, so I'd love to trick him and be there to see the payoff.
1: Yes, agreed. So Stone says You're gonna hand that over? What's the address? Did he get back?
0: Yeah, he fell for it.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Good work, kid. Half of this job is being like a PI. You got that kind of spark. I'll say that. Natural gumshoe. So, hand it over? I'll take care of this. You've had a rough first day back.
0: If it's all right with you, I'd kinda like to see it through. What
1: are you hoping for? A little sweet taste of revenge? Yes. Hmm. Seems unfair to deny it to you. But I will tell you, in the long run, every emotion is a stupid waste of time. I'm telling you that now, friend to friend. You think it'll do something for you? It's just gonna make you feel like garbage over the long run. You're welcome to sort it out for yourself. I mean, everybody, I guess, takes the hard way.
2: Every emotion besides irritation, clearly.
1: (laughs) I like that. Kid, I love it. They're gonna have a delightful afterlife if you can maintain that sense of humor. We'll get along. (laughs) So, what, you wanna tag along? It could get messy.
0: Yeah, I don't wanna take him out on my own, really. I don't even know what... I can do now, but I at least want to see the look on his face.
1: Your ride or mine?
0: Let's take yours.
1: All right. I won't stop you from tagging along, but you should be prepared for the worst. Uh, you know, the end for him. That's okay. Let's do this. And he fires up Henrietta, and you roar off in a much more solid and terrestrial way into the night, different than it was on the bridge, where that was just some kind of an idea. This feels more real. You bump over things. You go over speed bumps and potholes and feel gravel in the wheels of the tire. And yet, at the same time, there is the funny sense every time that you take your mind off it that you hear the clapping of hooves. You picked a place. Where did you pick?
0: The uh, burger joint.
1: One that's operational and open for business, or do you have a penchant for such closed locations, fool?
0: No, it's the one that we found when we were kids, when we were just kind of breaking into places that were abandoned and eventually where we went to go practice with our band because we knew that it was so kind of far out of the way nobody was out there anymore so Hmm. knowing that this is not a location where anybody would stumble upon us
1: and finally you're there at a little abandoned burger joint at a crossroads where it's the only thing a place that you used to maybe sit on top of and talk about life with friends and there he is again lit up by the lights of uh, the motorcycle for a moment and then uh, stone says He's going to know that the jig is up if he notices this. He says, I'm going to hang back. Why don't you go on your own?
2: Yeah, you won't need long. I don't think I have the patience for whatever he's going to have to say.
1: There is a look on his face. He can tell that you've come with this. And he says, you you didn't bring a friend with you, did you, Vi? You're still in control, but it's up for grabs, fool and hierophant. Anyone can take it at any time. He looks scared.
4: I do want to step forward and... Try to see if there's anything strange or unusual in the area around him. You know, I, the magician, had the sense before that he was trying to murder us, and so now I'm like super extra cautious. Like, wait a minute, double murder, double murder. Mm -hmm. Is there like a stake hidden
1: someplace? Is he gonna?
0: It is. It's a burger joint. Put a a stake through our heart.
1: (laughs) Um, let's make it an active test of perception. Okay. He's caught a little off guard, so there's no risk here. Perception's a sword test. What's your swords? Plus one. And you're trained. I am. And um, I think you're surveying the environment. I think that as a proven research engineer, you probably have done a lot of quick glances to get a sense of things. So let's include your vocation bonus as well, which is a plus two because you are a very well-known, very, very well-proven um, research engineer. So you have only, I think, um, let's see, six to 10, seven, uh, four to ten, two to ten. You will be successful on two to ten and only fail on an ace. Okay. Ready? Say when. When. The Six of Wands is the returning champion. (laughs) In this moment, you feel a glimmer of that. The image is usually um, like a young hero coming back to town and being given a crown of laurels. But here, you feel a crown of your own, your light bulb coming on. He's got a hand on the door to the burger joint. And this guy paints in reality by stepping in and out of places he kind of shouldn't be quickly. You know he's got a contingency there, and he's hoping to use it if things are bad. Am I able to take control now? Yep, we just did a test. Uh,
3: Then I want to use Gaze of the Empress. Uh, Make eye contact with a non-hostile human NPC and make an active test of worldliness, expression, or force. I want to go with expression. Mm -hmm. With risk of up to minus two based on how much the NPC trusts the hero. If the test is read as a success, the NPC is surprised.
1: Great. I'm going to say minus one because he's only sort of just dawning on him that perhaps um, bad is all over the situation. What's your cups? Plus one. You are successful then on five to ten, and his minus one makes that six to ten again. Even odds. Six to ten. Say when. When. Remember this? The seven of wands. Your old fear. This is what you found out in the woods on your own. And it is something that he has never quite shared with you, but perhaps it's what makes your third eye a little keener than his. You see all the dark space behind him. You see the burger joint and the shadows inside there, and um, you see that there is um, an unusual-looking thing grabbing your eye. It is a very, very, very shiny knife, like a butcher knife, like that you would use in a kitchen. You see it glimmering in the background, calling out to you ever so slightly. seems to glow just a little bit to your eyes. You're noticing that, but it's not overriding your senses. You're very much in control of yourself. He, on the other hand, meets your eyes and is stunned. He begins to cry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to do it. I'm so sorry. Um, quick question.
2: Are we technically in the presence of Stone, even though he's like not like right next to us? Like, how does that work? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. As long as you know he's around and uh, as long as I can rule that he's still in the area. Yeah. He's in your presence.
2: Okay. Um, I sure wouldn't mind using my divine blessings, um, it reads as, uh, grant a blessing to a friendly NPC in the hero's presence, which will last until the hero's next downtime, and while in the presence of a blessed NPC, we gain a plus one on passive tests. Uh, a test may only benefit from one blessing, regardless of the number of blessed NPCs in your presence. Great. Uh, an NPC may have one
1: blessing, etc., up to three. Um, yeah. Great. That makes you a little safer. How much does that cost in Psyche? Two. Great. Um, When you do this, when you extend your thoughts and hopes around people around you, Hierophant, what what form does that take? Is it something that you just mark in the mind? Is it a little something that you say inside Violet's mind? Something you say to everyone else? Something happened on the photo booth? How do you mark a blessing when you give one?
2: I actually think it's more something that I just see that's like through my perception more than it's something that manifests. That there's this very innocent old image of... Like being a teacher and asking something in class and seeing that excited student raise their hand. And it's just that feeling of they're so excited to be a part of what's going on and they deserve the blessing of that shared information. So when it's going out to them, I'm literally like seeing an image of that person as a a child, like in their childlike form, raising their hand. And I know that that has encompassed them.
1: You silently frame those thoughts and almost see him, you feel like, crossing behind the building? Is that just a feeling? It's really hard to tell. He's around here somewhere, and he's making you safer just by being around. Gavin is before you blubbering. He says, you came with him. You came with him. You got to spare me. Look, I didn't mean to. I didn't, I didn't want to. I didn't, I really didn't want to. It just, it was a last resort. Your eye could have opened and you could have helped and then it would have been fine. We would have gotten away together. just, Just like old times, rooftops, great views. We could have done that forever and ever and ever. I just wanted that. You got to know, I just wanted that.
3: I want to like keep him facing me. Like if I think Stone's on the other side of the building and that knife is between us, then I want to keep Gavin like facing my direction, walking forward gently, like, hey, hey, it's okay, all right? I know, I get it. You had the best intentions and things went sideways. I couldn't understand, right? There was no way I could understand. I've tried to have this conversation with Catherine now and I get it. There's nothing you could have possibly said that could have made me understand. Uh, And I wanna like get close enough to like hug him, like wrap him up in a hug.
1: He is blubbering. He's so grateful. Is this a trick? Do you mean him harm?
3: I mean him harm insofar as I want to hold him in place so that he can be murdered by a reaper. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Feels like technically harm. (laughs) Let's make an active test of machination to see if you can execute that. Swords. Can
3: I try and recruit somebody else into the photo booth to do that?
1: It'll be a swords test.
4: Yeah, um, I think that in this moment, like having tagged out with you earlier, I will step in and use... Uh, creative genius gain plus one on tests of expression machination and craft until you lose control or there is a change of pace and location
1: great that lasts for more than one test so long as you remain in control how much does it cost you one active test of machination he is still a little suspicious so we'll call that minus one what's your sword suit stat plus one right correct so that cancels out Uh, you get your plus one for your power though so you're successful on five to ten say when Stop. Surrounded by danger on all sides yet again. The Seven of Wands. This is just your card. It is how you deal with death. You keep your cool. When you have tried to do maximum good for people and been frustrated by the slowness of things or... hmm, I don't know. You've had parts in your life where you haven't been sure you've been able to do full good. But as you hold him, you realize that you're holding someone that feeds on people like Catherine. That doesn't have compunction about it. And sooner or later, you'll be called upon to face a similar question, if you will, or if you won't. And you kind of wonder. And as the wonder passes through your collective mind, you realize he might not be suspecting it now. Do you take a bite? I think I go inside for a second. We could
4: feed off of him. That might be a nice turn of events.
3: We've set up this poetic justice that I'm very into, although...
4: I do also like a good twist. Is this a, a is this a break the seal kind of thing? If we do it now or are we going to have to do it like more often? I don't
2: think so. It seems like this is part of it that if we want to last longer, we have to feed and if he's going to get murked in a second anyway, couldn't hurt. I'm just
4: saying like it it lines up. We would learn something and experience something entirely new from it.
0: I do like that. But like what if? What if we do this and it changes us, like Gavin wasn't always like this. Maybe whatever happened that turned him this way is because he was feeding.
2: Well, we can either ask him, and that'll tip him off and we won't get the chance, <laughs> or we, uh, we learn a little something. I'm not in control, but like, my jaw is just sort of working, just like, huh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I bite him. You bite, and he immediately feels, and he begins to struggle to get free. Behind him, stone is creeping up. He is at the knife, and he pulls it effortlessly out of some block that it's sticking out of. The blade is longer and longer and longer as it comes out of the block, until it is a scythe. But Gavin is struggling. Let's make it a passive test of force to see if he breaks free. You're in control, magician. What's your wand? I would like to use the other
4: half of my magician's tools to bring that ace out of my hand.
1: (laughs) Yes. It costs you psyche? How much do you have? Uh, It costs me two. Um, so... You can imagine that we just made this test and that whatever it was, you swapped in the ace knowing that it would be a critical success. It is the ace of wands. You get exactly what you want. You hold him still. Stone looks at you and says, ah, the Rubicon, your scythe or mine. Ain't no coming back from this either way. So what do you want to do? Please, 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 says Gavin. Please, I know what you're going to do. I I didn't want to. I never meant to. I never would. If I could do it all over again, I wouldn't. Please. He pushed us out a window. Get out the fucking scythe. (laughs) Yeah,
2: we're a good teacher. He fucked around, and now he gets to find out. Let's teach him.
1: You hold the scythe. It feels just right. Made for you. It can be anything you want. It doesn't have to be this anymore, you realize. Although, perhaps for your first time, it should stay this. But later, you can make it look like anything you want. Do you swing it? I do. Stone has taken your place. Gavin pleads up until the very end. And then it's over. You have mixed feelings for a moment. He was something, a predator, but he also knew your name, looked to you for help. Stone brushes it off and says, You did good. Come see the result. He gestures back to the motorcycle, which is now just again out front again. Come on. You said you wanted to learn something. Yeah, I will walk out there. You ride. The shivering road begins to appear to you again, little by little. And then you're at the middle of it somewhere, well over the void again. And he says, wait for it. And then points. There he is. And then he catches him. Gavin. Caught by the hair, Stone holds him out over the void. He begins to spaghetti noodle, still pleading. Please, no, it's still not too late. But it is. It's way too late. The memories of him and you, you can see them almost manifesting outside of him. The process takes a little while, and then it's done. Congratulations, says Stone. Your first job. Impressive. Let's head back up. And he gestures to the motorcycle. Ready? Yes. And he takes you back on a road that you will eventually become very familiar with. The shivering road leads everywhere, after all. And back on the surface world, when you finally feel it coming back to your senses, it doesn't look the same. It looks blue. You see it in the color of the spirit plane, the astral realm, the place of the dead. It's a place now more home to you than the solid plane you spent your life. And if this were the beginning of our campaign, we would tell a lot of stories of your adventures and experiences on the road of death and explore your gifts and the many things that it takes from you and gives to you. I think you would be doing that with Stone too. (laughs) I think that he would be somebody uh, to mentor you and to stay with you. (laughs) So let's leave it there and call it the end. Thank you, friends. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: That was so neat.
1: I'm glad you enjoyed it.
4: Alright, I am here with Nix and Matthew, the co-creators of Divination. First off, Matthew, thank you for taking the time to run us through the game. So, I I think the first question I want to ask you is, why tarot as the tool in the game?
1: Um, Well, to tell you the truth, um, I've been role-playing for a really long time. And looking at tarot for a really long time, I was an angsty teen in the 90s when I discovered tarot and <laughs> uh, discovered role-playing as an inheritance a bit from my geeky parents uh, just a few years before that. So I almost can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't creating a tarot-influenced role-playing game. The truth is, like for about as long as I was designing campaigns and long stories, I've been um, shuffling tarot cards and getting inspiration and trying to see things I don't see, and um, so... Uh, they've been a source of inspiration for ages. Um, they're a pictorial almanac of life, 78 cards that show you uh, our desires and failures and trials. Um, and so uh, in addition to being thematically inspirational, they're also um, you know, full of numbers and full of stuff that gives them a, a mathematic application. So they've just been a, a part of my games uh, pretty much for as long as I've been designing them for as long as I've been running them and being in the hobby.
5: Yeah, if I could actually jump on and... Uh expand on that a little bit. So very early on in the process, because this was a game that Matthew had been de- developing for, I mean, at least six months before I came in and, and started working on it as well. And one of the first things that he said to me, and, and in fact, one of the things that really got me excited about it and brought me on board was this idea, this phrase that he said to me that the flip of a tarot card is just as satisfying as the role of a D20. And that became the sort of clothesline that I pinned everything that we worked on mechanically to. If Matthew would present something, or even if I would have an idea and and we'd look at it, we always held it up against that barometer mm-hmm. of, is this mechanically as satisfying as the roll of a die? And if it wasn't, it didn't make the cut or it needed to be tweaked or adjusted until it did make the cut. And then that um, balances against the particular tarot deck that we're using here, which is, and I don't mean a, a, a specific um, deck, but a, a specific style, a specific lineage of deck, which is the, it's known colloquially as the RWS deck mm-hmm. or the rider White Smith deck. And that was a deck that uh, was created, the, the artwork was created by a woman named Pamela Coleman Smith. And a big thing that it has that differentiates it from some of the other tarot lineages out there, like the Marseille tarot, uh, is that the, what we would call the pip cards, the cards that are like the one through 10, the ACE through 10. And then they have a suit with them, you know, the, the two of cups or the four of, uh, wands or whatever, those cards in a, in a true pip deck, if it's the four of wands, you would see just four wands in the same way that on like a four of spades, you see four spades on the card, you know? Mm. And in Pamela's deck, the pip cards were fully illustrated scenes that showed these sort of moments in life that captured the essence and the themes of what that pip card was supposed to embody. And so when you're using those because those are the cards the the aces through tens of the four suits those 40 cards are the ones that we use to run those mechanical tests Mm -hmm. and to determine those moments of uncertainty how they're going to play out and so when you get a very concrete result numerically coupled with a scene that shows you pictorially what the themes are that are happening in that moment it's just the perfect marriage that you can draw from as a diviner to insert into that moment and tell the story.
4: So do you imagine, I because I've been thinking about this, you know, the few people in my life that I know are very into tarot have 20, 30 decks, and they've got their two or three favorite ones. Are you imagining this game as this is the deck to play it with, or can you play it with your favorite deck?
5: So I had zero decks when Matthew and I started, and now I have 82. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely... um a really rich hobby Mm -hmm. uh, to start exploring. There are so many amazing indie artists out there that are creating great decks. And when Matthew came to me originally, his idea was this game is deck agnostic. As long as you're using an RWS deck, because that's gonna have the types of cards that we need, Mm -hmm. you can use any deck and you can even flavor the genre of your game to the style of the deck and that is absolutely still true today you can absolutely play the game that way and we all have our decks that we pull in and let that influence the Mm -hmm. the game that we're playing and the story we're telling but there was a point where we went man we have fleshed out such a rich and robust universe and a setting that is also one hundred percent designed by tar- uh, defined rather by tarot here. That we would be fools not to make our own deck to go Uh along with this so we are actually uh part of the kickstarter is that uh we've got an artist an amazing artist who is designing our own Mm -hmm. divination deck for us and uh you know you can see some of the cards that she's created already Mm -hmm. on the kickstarter and we probably will be releasing more uh as she continues to work while the kickstarter is going and you will be able to still play the game with your own deck but there will be an official divination deck as well.
4: So, before we started recording this, um, Nick, you mentioned to me that we picked from six playbooks, but there are actually two additional playbooks.
5: Yeah. So, it's been a really interesting process as we've been developing this game over the last four years because one of our main ways both to play test it and also to help build our audience is that we've taken it to Gen Con every year uh, since 2020. And uh, we actually took it to Origins once as well. And so taking it to these conventions, I mean, you know, Rev, you guys run Monster of the Week at, at Gen Con all the time, and you know how different it is to run a one shot in a convention environment versus running the game in more of a traditional around your table campaign mode, whatever. And so we found ourselves early on, we knew that the game wanted to have some more robustness, the ability to support campaign play. But we would be working on that and then we'd be coming up against a Gen Con deadline and we'd be like, oh man, we need to kind of have some like one-shot rules Mm -hmm. for this so that we can make this work at Gen Con. And so for a long time, that was how we referred to it was the one-shot rules versus the campaign rules. And as part of that, there are two additional aspects, the aspect of the hermit and the aspect of the hanged one that are... The way they had always been written and the powers that they had, they really lent themselves more to what we were considering campaign play. Sure. Now, even at the time, uh, to to take the audience through a little time travel here, even at the time that we're sitting down to record this today, you all recorded the gameplay session a few months Mm -hmm. ago and even in the time from then to today the additional tightening and development that matthew and i have done has really closed some of those gaps and we really do think of the game today as the game Uh and then there's a little section at the end of the core book that talks about like if you are doing this like in a convention setting or as just a a one shot here are some little alterations you can make Mm -hmm. but Really, those are minor today. We're not thinking of it as sort of two separate sets of rules the way we used to. Uh,
4: okay. Yeah, I had gotten, uh, for Christmas actually, I got my first tarot deck. Um, Marvel put out a tarot deck (laughs) and um, someone, uh, a friend gifted that to me. And it has a similar thing where all of the the 1 through 10 are individually illustrated as well. Um, And like swords, for example, is... All of the different weapons that you might expect that are important in the MCU, you know, cool. Mjolnir and stuff like this. And so that got me thinking about the fact that, you know, in the story that we played, we were kind of dealing with an existential being like we could not fight the man who was getting into our house, which made me realize we didn't really have any combat in the game. Is is that something that you find is an occurrence often when everybody is sharing control of that character? Or was that just kind of our story?
5: Yeah, so I think there's actually a couple of pieces to what you're asking here, and um, I want to try to kind of break it down a little bit. So the things that you mentioned, like the, the type of threat uh, that you're up against or the fact that you're sharing this hero, yeah, those are things that might affect how much combat shows up in any given session. But I think there's also a piece here that depends on how you think of combat. When Matthew and I were working on the development of some of these mechanics, we started with this bigger question in mind around what do mechanics of combat actually do in a game? What purpose do they serve? One of the big things that combat mechanics do is when you get into a high stakes situation, you have some tighter rules around how time is passing. And this is actually something that did come up in your game. There was this moment where Matthew called out that you had entered into action time. And so just like how in some games you might have like an order of initiative and you can only do a certain number of things when it's your turn. Action time has some similar rules around how time is controlled like that and who can do what and when when you're in a higher stakes situation. And so when you guys went into action time and you had those action time rules in place, you did experience combat in a sense in this heightened situation. Now, one thing that you didn't have in your game was the hero getting hurt. And that's another piece of combat. Of course, combat isn't the only way that you can get hurt. I mean, a a great example of this in your game would have been when your hero made this sort of amazing parkour leap that could have gone very badly on a failed test, you know? And um, so, yeah, you can get hurt missing your parkour, but you can also get hurt getting hit by the enemy throwing a fireball at you. There's, there's a lot of ways that you can get physically injured when you're doing all of the dangerous stuff that you do in an RPG. And so that's the next thing that the combat mechanics needed to address is what does it look like when you get hurt? So with all of the mechanics in Divination, we're always looking at what are the pieces of this that are specific to an aspect? And then what are the things that are more universal to the hero? And so we think about, getting hurt in that same way. If there's a a failed test and the hero, say, doesn't dodge that fireball, they're going to take injury. But also, if I'm the aspect that was in control in that moment and I'm the one that failed the test, then I, as an aspect, am going to take harm. And that's something that's unique to me. Now, I, as the player, get to decide what the story is in that moment. Maybe I'm going to feel guilt for not being quicker on my feet, or uh, maybe the next time I find myself in a situation like that, I'm gonna not trust myself and be a little bit more frozen. Whatever that story is, I get to decide what that looks like. But mechanically, there's gonna be a harm effect in place now that has an impact on my mechanics as an aspect versus the physical injury mechanics that affect everyone as the hero. And when your game goes on a little bit longer than just a one-shot, we've got some really cool and unique ways resolving both injury and harm, but that tends not to come up when you're playing a one shot like this just due to the amount of time that you have. And uh, that element of time, the the length of a game, I think that's how sharing the hero contributes to the amount of combat that might come up in any particular session. Because in a single session of play like this, you're spending maybe half of your time inside the hero's head and in these internal conversations. And so maybe there aren't as many external story beats in one session as there might be in a more traditional RPG.
4: So right now, at the time of this release, you are all in the Kickstarter phase, correct? We are. We sure are. can listeners find your Kickstarter?
5: Well, uh, the best place that I can give you verbally for that today is to go to our um, divinationrpg.com website, uh, because we, we will obviously be linking to it from there. And uh, Future Rev will have the live link that he can put in the, the show notes. So if you if you look down in the link... Uh, of this episode in your podcast player, you will see the link to our Kickstarter. It'll also be linked all over our social medias. We are at DivinationRPG pretty much everywhere.
4: So again, you can head to DivinationRPG.com to find out more about the Kickstarter, the rewards, and the state of the game. a truly tarot-driven role-playing game, fusing the essence of tarot with genuine RPG mechanics to make each flip of a card as satisfying as the roll of a D20. Divination RPG is now live on Kickstarter, and you can find the link in the show notes.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
4: Good evening, and welcome to Strange Air. I am your host, Malcolm Smith, and I'll be here for the next four hours taking your calls as we explore the outer regions of reality.
2: Ten years ago, Malcolm Smith vanished from the face of the earth. One moment, he was on the air in the middle of a sentence, and the next moment, he was gone.
0: People will believe anything.
2: So, what do you think happened?
5: I believe your father staged the whole thing.
2: I believe your daddy was taken. Do you believe in miracles? I guess
4: people believe what they want to believe.
2: I believe I'll have a little more wine. It's time you heard the truth about your father. You're completely insane.
4: Did someone hit you?
5: Leave me alone. What's going on?
2: (laughs) I'm going to find my
4: father.
1: Strange air. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit strangeairpodcast.com for more information.